My friends, today to you, it's Joel here with the band for King and Country, and you are listening to On Faith's Edge with Joe Taylor. Keep it right here. I found God to be faithful in all of those things, and I found me to be weaving and wandering between faithfulness and faithlessness. And I think sharing it through music has been um, cathartic for me, but it's, it's been a really strange thing of all these people coming and going, yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I didn't know anybody else felt like that. Keep it right here is right, Joel Smallbone. Thank you to Joel for the introduction. Joel and I had an eye-opening conversation back on episode 72 as we discussed the movie Priceless and the subject of human trafficking. You can hear our conversation at onfaithsedge.com slash 72. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 72. Well, hello. Welcome to the 87th episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Singer-songwriter Todd Agnew is with us today. I love this guy's music, and you are going to love our conversation. I'm still accepting submissions for the new Your Story segment at On Faith's Edge. If you want to share your story of faith with your fellow On Faith's Edge listeners, just go to onfaithsedge.com slash your story. Again, that's onfaithsedge.com slash your story. I absolutely love bringing you engaging conversations about faith. If this show entertains you, encourages you, informs you, or brings value to you in any way whatsoever, will you please consider financially backing the show? The best way you can do that right now is to use any Amazon link at onfaithsedge.com. That's any Amazon link whatsoever. We'll get a modest commission from the purchase, and it doesn't cost you a penny more. Congratulations to listener Jeff Hamrick. Jeff, you will receive a free copy of Dr. Randy Dawkins' new book, THB from his Coded Message Trilogy. This is a really neat book, and Dr. Dawkins was on our last episode on faithsedge.com slash 86. This is the 87th episode, so the last one would be, of course, 86 on faithsedge.com slash 86. Really, really smart guy, and uh, this book is a really interesting book. Jeff, shoot me an email at joe at onfaithsedge.com. Again, that's joe at onfaithsedge.com, and I'll get your book right out to you. Todd Agnew is one of Christian music's most beloved singer-songwriters. With number one hit singles and nominated for multiple Dove Awards, Todd also may very well be this one of the smartest guys in the, in the business as he's wrapping up his master's degree right now. In fact, you'll hear in our interview how other musicians look to Todd for theological accuracy in their songs. Uh, He just released his new compilation project, From Grace to Glory, and Todd Agnew fans like me will absolutely love it. In today's show, we talk about his newest project, From Grace to Glory, and how that came about. We ask our Christian songwriters concerned about theology and their music. We talk about his transition from road life to family life. And we even talk about his work on the little-known Christian artist's YouTube tribute project called In the Name of Love. Todd, Grace Like Rain had a real impact on my life. 2003 and the years surrounding 2003 were particularly trying for me personally. 
but I got to tell you something, brother. Grace Like Rain was a go-to song for personal inspiration and hope and to know that uh, God really loves me no matter what I'm going through or what's happening. Uh, thank you, my friend, for that piece of work. It, it really meant a lot to me. And you're welcome. Thanks so much for sharing that. I mean, it's it's one of those crazy things because I do, you know, that song and maybe one or two others, I get to hear stories about what God did during those times pretty consistently. And it's still just amazing to look back at that time and go, man, I, I can't believe that God did those things. I can't believe that I got to be a part of that. Because um, honestly, Grace was just a song that Chris and I wrote you know, in a back closet in our church. Um, and then we kind of forgot about it. And then a few months later, we were doing a worship night. And we're like, hey, that that would have worked really well in this set. But I don't even really remember how it goes. Unfortunately, Chris did. And we used it. And we just saw, hey, God, God's doing something really powerful here. And uh, so it's really been amazing um, to see what he's done with that song. It, 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 like I said, it was a... Uh, a very trying time in my life um, for a number of reasons. Uh, but wow, it made an impact, an impact on my life. You know, it's when I first heard the song, I said, okay, who's this Todd Agnew guy? And here's another rendition of amazing grace. No way, man. No way. That's a beautiful, beautiful song again. Thanks brother. I appreciate that song. And uh, again, it certainly meant a lot to me. That was 14 years ago, Todd. And uh, you've recorded yeah. what six projects since then? It's been yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah, five years since uh, "How to Be Loved," uh, another great, uh, another great project. Uh, fill in the gaps for us. What have you been up to? You know those those first years. I mean, I, you know, you you do a record, and it surprised to us. It you know came out and was a big success, and so you jump in a van and. You uh, you know you're gone all the time, and then you come back in town to record your second record, and go back out, and maybe you get to move up to to have a bus instead of a van. And <laughs> but man, those first years were you know just jammed all together. I was playing 280 shows a year. Um, I was gone all the time, and I would come home to lead worship at church and to hit the studio again, and then I was gone again. And and so, yeah, I was busy. And so, you know, you just had you had Grace, a, a year of tour, a year of putting the next record together um, while we're doing tour. Then you had Reflection come out. A year later, we had the Christmas record come out. Two years later, you had Better Questions come out. And that whole time, man, we're just killing it on the road. And then I got married. And I married into two kids, and so I went from, you know, crazy musician, stay-up-all-night guy to husband, father of two kids, homeowner, you know, like overnight. And one of the things that it did is I just kind of went, I got really unsure about what I should be writing songs about, because I'm like, hey, I don't really have any idea what I'm doing. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, people come to, are coming to me for answers, but I, man, I, I do not know any answers. And fortunately, I'd just done a record called Better Questions. And so it was, you know, which is all about doubt and wrestling with difficult issues. And so then I got married and had all these questions. And so 
when it came time to do the next record, um, I went back to what I knew, which is hymns, old theology, and, uh, and, and we started writing these songs that turned into the Need record, which is a really difficult record. Um, and after that, it took a little bit of time um, because we were trying to balance family and, uh, you know, what does that mean? What does that look like? And uh, so it took a while for How to Be Loved to come out. But but it did, and and then our lives kind of turned upside down a little bit, and my wife got a promotion offer that wanted us to move to Dallas. So we were in Austin at the time, and um, and we felt like that's what God wanted, and that ended up leading to a lot of decisions that ended up me going to seminary, and so I'm finishing up my master's right now, and... Uh, so, yeah, man, we just had all this stuff happen in our lives. And then at the same time, the head of my label, John Fry, passed away. Um, John Hansen passed away, who who mixed a lot of my records. So a lot of our team kind of came apart as well. And so Ardent has been putting itself back together and figuring out what God wanted for them at the same time as I've been doing all these other things. And, uh, and everybody kind of got back on the same page. Uh, and said, hey, let's do something, but not something too big, um, as everybody's kind of still finding their way. So we ended up doing this compilation record, so finding which songs we wanted to share again, and then putting a couple of new songs on it. And uh, so, yeah, it's been a good time. We're going we're gonna to talk about this new project, uh, From Grace to Glory, uh, in a moment, Todd. But I, I want to ask, how did you make that transition actually two transitions. You, you made a transition from, uh, for lack of a better way of, of putting it, uh, award nominated, award winning, uh, traveling rock star to normal kind of husband, father, family, family guy. How did you make, how did you personally make that transition? And were there, were there some difficulties that came with it? Well, I, I think everybody makes that transition the same way. You just kind of jump in the deep end and flail around, <laughs> hoping you don't drown. And you know, uh, Jim Gaffigan is a comedian, and I was—I uh, heard a riff that he did the other day talking about his—I um, think having his fourth kid, maybe—and he said. It's like, you know, swimming in the deep end of the pool and then somebody hands you a baby. And, uh, and, and that's kind of what it's like. You know, that's, that's kind of what being a parent is like. No matter where you're coming from, no matter how prepared you think you are, you really have just put the things you know how to do and then all of a sudden someone hands you a baby. Um, and so, so that's what it was like for me. Um, now, yeah, I, I was a guy that was on the road that was doing all these other things, but the real transition wasn't being home more. The real transition wasn't any of those things. The real transition was learning how to love and be loved, learning how to be a part of a family and to have God operate like that rather than when you travel, you let God speak to somebody through you, but then you get on the bus and you never see that person again. Mm. As opposed to being a parent, you're going to see them the next day and uh, and every moment after that. And, um, 
and it's, it's a really different environment. Um, it's not just, you know, casting pearls of wisdom out there. Mm-hmm. It's really trying to love somebody that, you know, for who they are and accepting that and, uh, and building a life together. And it's, it's been, a, it's, it's an incredibly difficult thing. Um, but it's an incredibly beautiful thing as well. You said that, uh, you you had to. There was difficulty. Maybe maybe you didn't say exactly this, but this is uh, what I took. There was difficulty in uh, learning to become a part of the family. Uh, you, you know, you spent some you spent so much time in in traveling that you 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 made other than the people you traveling you traveled with you 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 sung your songs, you delivered your message, and then you're off to the next time next town and. Now you have to learn to be a part of a family. Uh, I get the sense that maybe that was particularly difficult for you. And why was that? It was difficult for me. And uh, I'm not exactly sure what it was. I'm sure part of it was I got married like a month shy of turning 37. And uh, and so that's kind of late. And you've kind of built your life um, on your own. It's built around how I do things and how I like things. So coming into a family is all about other people. And uh, and I didn't really have much practice at that. And it wasn't until now, you know, 10 years into marriage, I'm still learning a ton all the time about how to, how to be in these relationships. But one of the things that showed me is, you know, just like you brought up uh, the guys that I toured with, is I did. I had dear friends that were with me all the time. Um, for those years, but just now, 10 years into marriage, I'm going, man, I was pretty terrible to those guys. Hmm. Um, I, 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 I mean, not hateful, but I, I didn't know how to really love them well and how to be a part of their lives. And, um, and, and that stuff has come over a long period of time. And, you know, I'm really grateful, um, for all those experiences, for those guys that stuck with me through all of that and walked through so many years of that. And, uh, and then for God giving me the, the wife and kids that I have now and, and new friends that, uh, were continuing to, to learn how to, to be in those relationships. Did you think, do you think you, your wife knew what she was in for and marrying, uh, Todd Agnew? Well, I mean, in a sense, yes. Um, my wife and I dated when we were 15 and 14. So she knew Todd Agnew before he was Todd Agnew. Um, <laughs> you know, she knew the, the little dorky high school kid that, uh, you know, is behind the the guy with the big voice. So, you know, she knew me long before that. So in a sense, she did know. Um, in another sense, I don't know that you can ever really know. You're always kind of walking in blind, and then you just learn how to do it after the fact. And, you know, so I know things still surprise her. And she just goes, I just didn't think you would be like that. I'm like, well, I am. Sorry. I can, <laughs> I can definitely work on not being like that. But currently, I still am. That's funny. That's funny, Todd. Did she encourage you to make this this uh, transition back into uh, into uh, releasing this new project? She she always is. She's uh, very encouraging on the music side of things. I always try to get her opinion, and she feels like 
that she's not a musician and doesn't really, you know, her opinion doesn't really matter. But she she has a good um, read on um, on who I am and where I'm effective and how I'm effective and what I care about and um, and and so she sees those things and goes, hey, look, this is you know these are still things you're really good at and um, and those things still need to be shared with people and so it's um, it's always good to um, to hear from her when she's uh, ready to talk about that stuff. Did you miss the road, Todd, when you, when you first got married and kind of settled down and pulled back a little bit? Um, I don't know that I missed it. <clears throat> you know, cause I, I've, I've kept playing all these years. Uh, I've never, um, come completely off the road. And, uh, and honestly, man, I got married and I, I got married and jumped into two kids and I bought a house for the first time. So there wasn't a lot of room to miss anything um, for a long time. I was, um, you know, just lost in everything for, for quite a while, trying to figure out how to do life and was still, you know, jumping on a plane or jumping in the van and playing shows over the weekends. And, you know, I was doing all this stuff. And so, so it was years until I could step back enough to realize that my life had really changed. Um, and, and by then we were starting to find a little more balance and, and I don't know, I, I, I miss the road in that I, I like being a part of what God is doing. And, um, and so if, if I go for a season where I don't get to do that very much, um, it, it will start, I'll start to see, uh, you know, a longing for that. But it's not that, hey, I need to be on stage. I need to be playing for this many people a night. I need to be playing this many shows. Um, it's never really been that. It's always just a bit, It's always just been a joy to be a part of what God was doing. And I still get to do that. So be, before we talk about uh, from grace to glory, did you do you have any significant moments, God moments from the road? You know, looking back at it, you just realize that he he was a part of all of it, and that that you know that sometimes we try to pull out highlights and this show or this event or this prayer time or this invitation, but the the truth is that I I look back at it and kind of see it as a whole that I, I see God just working day in and day out on us and. Um, and combining us, you know, building these friendships um, with with other artists um, that are still dear friends of mine today. And so, you know, there was a great joy in that, getting to be friends with Mike Weaver from Big Daddy Weave um, and see um, the joy that Mike brings to everything um, was such a a wonderful pairing for me because I'm a very serious and thoughtful person. And, uh, and, but in our careers, Mike really felt like, well, he's this joyful guy, but as a Christian musician, you need to be serious sometimes. (laughs) So he would always try to balance that. I was on the other end of feeling I'm a serious guy, but I kind of need to be fun sometimes so that people enjoy the concert. And so we really loved getting to be friends and getting to 
to play shows together because we could both both kind of relax into who God made us to be and know the other guy was going to take care of the other side of it. Um, and so, you know, that's not this pinnacle moment, but it's this beautiful friendship that God grew over time and that he, he knew and was incorporating um, to this whole big plan. And, and we got to be parts of things like that all the time. And it was a really beautiful season. You did just release uh, From Grace to Glory, the music of Todd Agnew. As we said, the the first project, it's your first project since 2012. So what can Todd Agnew fans expect from Grace to Glory, expecting from Grace to Glory? Well, the I mean, if they're Todd Agnew fans, they're going to be familiar with a lot of stuff. Because From Grace to Glory is a compilation record. You know, when when the idea got thrown out, by the label saying, hey, you know, we think you should do this kind of record. Um, they naturally went back to what the records I grew up with, which is bands did a greatest hits record. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the 10, 12, 14, 16 songs that you know and love. Um, but when they threw out that idea, I knew, hey, that, you know, it's a good time in the career for that kind of idea, and there's a lot of songs there, but... But honestly, man, today you don't need to do those kind of records. There's no need for a greatest hits record because you have iTunes and Spotify and, you know, people people just buy the songs they want so they can make their own greatest hits record. They don't they don't need you to release one. So I, I was kind of hesitant on the idea. And so I brought back to the table and said, hey, what if we did a compilation record? But half of it was the hit. But then the other half of it, rather than it just being, well, these were almost the hits, you know, these are six (laughs) more songs. What if we went and found the songs that we wish people knew about? You know, that they were something I did for another project that was on another label, or a song I wrote for a book that a friend of mine wrote, you know, or just the little tracks that we, as part of the, the Todd Agnew team, have loved, but that even a fan may not know about. And so everybody really bought into that idea. So that made this record really fun, um, because half of the songs are the people, the songs people know and love. And then half the record are these songs that have these great stories behind them. And so actually touring after the records come out has been really fun because I'm getting to go out and tell all these stories about what happened and why this song ended up not getting on the record, but what that song turned into and what God did with that. But now we're finally getting to share this with you and just these cool things that happened. And, uh, and then of course we, uh, took two of the best new songs and got in the studio and cut them and uh, and so that's the record. So kind of new songs and then half hits and half we called them gifts. They're they're the things that we we just wanted to give people. We wanted them to have. So there are sixteen tracks on this song. Eight of those eight of these songs are songs that Todd Agnew fans will definitely know. And eight of the songs are uh, now are they brand new songs, Todd, or are they songs that uh, no, that are that are, like if a just a freaky weird Todd Agnew fan would know these songs too. Yeah, they're they're just from all over the map. I mean like literally 
because um, I think what it is is there's two new songs, then there's seven hits and seven other songs, but they're literally like each story is completely different. I mean, one is a, an original version of a song I did for my second record, but there's this whole huge crazy story of what happened with that song. Then there's a song that I did that was on Sparrow released a YouTube tribute record where a lot of artists um, cut YouTube songs and uh, we're supposed to raise money and awareness for AIDS in Africa, partnered with World Vision. And so it's me and Chris Tomlin and uh, Frank Shreel and uh, I think Toby's on it and Nicole Norderman. And I mean, all these different artists did all U2 songs. Um, but the record then kind of didn't really do anything. So most people don't know that record exists, which is unfortunate because it's great. Wow, that sounds um, like a great. I've not yeah. heard of that, man. Jeez. Yeah, it was called uh, In the Name of Love. And, uh, and it was just one of those freaky industry things that they do a whole project. And then the guy that was like the, you know, the spearhead, it was his passion. He left the label and went and did something different. And so the record just kind of came out. And now there wasn't anybody championing it. And it's unfortunate because it's a cool record that's got all these different versions of, um, of you know, and obviously YouTube's writing great stuff, so so that's cool. Yeah, so um, so that song's on there. One of them is just a demo. Like I'd just written a song, and I ran into the studio and said, "Hey, Curry, can we track this real fast?" And he threw one mic up over the piano. I sat down and played the song live, and. Uh, and then years later, we're having this conversation and talking about what song should be on this record. And Vince, my manager, just goes, Todd, do you remember the demo of Corner in Memphis? I'm like, of course I remember it. Because like, it had something special about it that we could never capture in the studio version of the song. So the version that's on the record, I was actually always frustrated with because I felt like we didn't quite capture what had been special about the demo. He goes, I still listen to that demo all the time. He said, I think you should consider just putting that on there. And everybody talked about it. And so we did. Um, so yeah, so there's all different kinds of stories, um, for, for the second half of the record. One, one song from one new song from the album from grace to glory, uh, is glory to our great redeemer. I tell you, Todd, it, it, this is an instant worship classic. It's one of those songs uh, that from the first time you hear it, you feel like you've heard it a hundred times and it becomes a part of you. Uh, I love it, man. I love it. Great, great song. Is there a particular significance to this song? There was, man. This song was hard. Um, it was a long process. It starts a long time ago during that season where I was touring all the time. I was, I, I remember still being in the back of the bus one day and I was reading this book and the author asked a question. He said, uh, he said, why do we use so many metaphors when we talk about salvation? When we talk about what happened at, you know, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, why do we describe it in so many different ways? 
we say that we were forgiven, that we were pardoned, that we were adopted, that we were ransomed, redeemed, rescued. He said, all those things are different. They're not just the same thing. He said, so which one of them really happened, and why do we use all the rest of them? And and I remember being really disturbed by it. Not that I was uncomfortable with the question. I was uncomfortable because I felt like I should know the answer, and I didn't. Um, I've been a believer for a long time, and I was like, wait, why do we do that? Which one of these is the real answer? And shouldn't we be using that one all the time? And so that bothered me for years. And I wish I could tell you that I went home immediately and read the entire Bible until I understood it, but I didn't. I just wondered about it. And I studied some, but I didn't ever figure it out. And uh, and then a couple of years ago, I started writing this song, and literally I got four lines into the song, and so far it said, Glory to our great Redeemer, spotless lamb for sinners slain, my pardon purchased, my ransom paid, glory, glory to his name. And I got that far and went, oh no, I've already used four different metaphors for salvation. <laughs> you just did um, it. Four lines into a song, <laughs> and I said that we are redeemed, that there is a lamb sacrificed, that we are ransomed, and we are pardoned. And those are four completely different things. And, and I was like, I can't do this. I cannot put a truth, I, I cannot put something out there as truth, because people hear Christian music, and they assume the theology is correct. They're like, I can't put that out there not knowing if it's right. So I just put the song to the side, and it waited for probably a year and a half. And then I took um, a course in sociology, which is the Doctrine of Salvation at the seminary. And in my class, Dr. Scott Harrell was my professor, and he gave me an assignment that you had to read all these scripture passages and make kind of a chart on how you interpret each of these passages. And as it turned out, um, each of these passages was God describing salvation. God talking about what happened in the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ and how that affects me. And I realized, doing the assignment, that we use so many metaphors for salvation because God uses so many metaphors for salvation. There's not one human English word that can wrap up what happened when God sacrificed His only Son on a cross for the sins and salvation of all of mankind. Um, you, you can't wrap it up in one little picture. So God instead paints it over and over and over, adding depth and quality and understanding each time that he does it and using all these different ideas. And man, once I understood that, I was like, okay, so they're all true. It doesn't mean I need, I get to add my own metaphors and make up anything, but that God used all these ideas. And so I went and studied them all, and then I sat down and finished the song in a few minutes. And then I brought it back to Dr. Harrell for him just to check it and make sure I didn't screw anything up. And uh, that was glory to our great redeemer. 
you may be the only person of the only singer songwriter that I know of that checks with a college professor to make sure that the doctrine in his, in his song is correct. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the thing is I'm usually that guy. Like I'm usually the theology guy. So for my friends, if they write to me, they're like, Hey Todd, I wrote this lyric. Will you check it out? And I will. Um, and I'm great. I, I love that. But this time I was in I was in the deep end and and I had access to somebody that knew a lot more than I did and uh, and so I got to go to him and say, Hey, can can you look at this? And uh, and I, I really appreciate that opportunity. Todd, do, do do a lot of do a lot of Christian singer songwriters or songwriters just for that matter genuinely check the theology of their song? Does that happen a lot? Um, it does for people that I mentor, um, because I hit them over the head with it a, a lot. And so, um, and, and I think other than that, I think it just depends on the person. It depends on where they are in their journey. Um, some of those people are passionate about it, but they that's just how God made them. Some people grew into that, and some people aren't there yet. And there, God has taken them on a journey that they've been working on other things. So we try to build those relationships and give those people um, support. Saying, hey, look, you're a young writer. If you're finishing up songs for a record, like I'll sit down and look through the theology and we can talk about it. Just making sure that you know what you're saying. I know even in my first record, I'd, I'd written a line a minute. It sounded great. But once I really looked at the words, I'm like, I don't think that's actually true. <laughs> um, it rhymes and it fits and it works. Man, it sounds like it's awesome, but I don't think that's actually theologically correct. And so I had to go back in and call my producer. I'm like, hey, I need to re-sing this line. He's like, why? I'm like, because this, this isn't actually right. He's like, man, nobody cares. I'm like, I, I do. I yeah, do. that's funny. I, I care a whole lot, and uh, and so, um, yeah. So you know, it, we all have different skills and different abilities, and uh, and you know, there's people out there like Bob Coughlin and uh, you know Matt Boswell and those guys that are writing deep, rich theological stuff. There's other people out there making amazing music and telling their story, um, and so you know I trust that God God has a hold of all of those things. So not only is "Glory to Our Great Redeemer" a beautiful, beautiful song, it is certified theologically correct. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's as close as we can get it right now. Let's take a minute. Let's take a minute and listen to Glory to Our Great Redeemer. Glory to our great Redeemer, spotless lamb for sinners slain. My pardon purchased, my ransom paid. my death that I might live such costly grace he so freely gives glory glory to his name 
Todd, how did you come to believe in Jesus Christ? Yeah, I'm I'm a really fortunate kid that, you know, I was given up for adoption as a baby, was adopted into a family that um, was part of a wonderful church, um, you know, raised me, you know, learning, memorizing Bible verses, you know, at three years old. Um, and so I was just, I was raised in that, in a strong Bible teaching church, a strong Bible believing family. And so, you know, it wasn't a big jump for me at five years old to go, hey, you know, I, I believe in this. I want to, I want to be a Christian. I want to, I want to do this. And my parents, you know, their kids five, and like, well, you know, I'm not sure you really exactly know what you're talking about. I know you've probably seen some people walk forward at church. Like, so what do you think it is to become a Christian? So I explained it all to them. They're like, oh, okay, so you do understand. <laughs> all right, then. You know, so obviously at five, there's not this big, huge life change that happens. Jesus was already a part of everything I was doing, and I just got to continue in that. And uh, and so the coming to faith aspect of my story was not this um, crazy thing, but coming to faith at a young age and then living a life in faith, that's a different story. You go through different seasons and you wrestle different things, and faith, I found it, it looks differently at different times. That sometimes faith is is just holding on at the very edge of the, um, you know, the platform, and 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 sometimes it's charging into the battle. Um, you know, that there's uh, there's definitely been different seasons, but uh, but but I found that wherever I am in that journey, that God has been faithful. So you've been a Christian a long time. Did you ever have a time? Uh when you had to kind of make that, the uh, I don't want to say a rededication because that's used so much, but just the time where you said, yeah, I'm, I did this when I was five, but I, I, I really, uh, I really do believe this. You know, I really didn't. Um, and, uh, you know, I, my sister, my sister did go through that. And so I've seen it very up close and authentically. Um, but for me, I, I just, and every time I would go, man, my life's really screwed up. And maybe, maybe what happened when I was five, that wasn't real. And I needed to find the real thing now. And every time I did that, God was very faithful to just go, no, that was real. You're just screwed up now. <laughs> and, that's, uh, and that's just, you know, you did this and that's okay. That's, uh, you, you, you haven't gone too far. I still have you. Um, so you just need to figure out what you want now. And so there wasn't ever a, a time for me where I had to say, hey, look, I need something that's more real or that's the real deal. It's been more just that, hey, this is this is where I am now. Who is God in this moment? Who am I going to choose to be in this moment? And like I said a moment ago, I found God to be faithful in all of those things. And I found me to to be weaving and wandering between faithfulness and faithlessness multiple times uh, over the years, and uh, 
and, and that's that's kind of been my story. And, and I think sharing it through music has been um, cathartic for me. But it's it's been a really strange thing of all these people coming and going. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I I didn't know anybody else felt like that. And I'm like, oh, I didn't either. I just that's how I felt. That's how I wrote it. And um, and so it's it's really been a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful experience. Finally, as we as we wrap up, Todd, what would you say to that person that is um, right on faith's edge, making that choice to believe or, or not to believe in God? Well, man, I've just found that God is good, and and that He He loves. And I just encourage people to give them a chance. Like, hey, look, if you think maybe there's a God and maybe there's not, then just try. Like, you don't have anything to lose if you're wrong. Um, and you have everything to gain if it's right. Um, because, I, I, man, I'm pretty smart. And now I've been to school, and I know all the arguments. But I'm, I'm, I don't think I can convince you with my argument. I can tell you my story, though. And my story is that I know him, and I've known him a long time. And sometimes I have conquered the world for him, and sometimes I have spit in his face and walked away. And he has loved me well through all of those things. And, and I don't think I ever surprised him. Um, I I don't think that I ever um, disappointed him. Uh, I'm sure I could have done things better, but it didn't shock him where I where I went. Um, and I think that's that's where we wrestle with a lot of the time. It's it's not as much the the intellectual issues. I think we wrestle intellectual issues because we feel like we're not worthy, or we feel like it's not going to work out. And uh, and the good news is. Because both those things are true. <laughs> I'm not worthy, and I'm not going to be able to make it work out. But he does. And, uh, and he has, even though I've messed up stuff over and over. And, uh, and so my, my recommendation is always, hey, just, just try. Just say, hey, look, if you're real, show me. I don't think we can say anything more than that. The project is From Grace to Glory the music of Todd Agnew. We are going to let Grace Like Rain take us out, Todd. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you, brother. All of Todd's music, including From Grace to Glory, can be found on Amazon.com. I'm giving away limited copies of From Grace to Glory. For a chance at one, you can sign up for show updates at OnFaithsEdge.com. Follow and leave a comment on the On Faith's Edge Facebook page, or follow me and share a tweet on Twitter, or you can send me an email at joe at onfaithsedge.com. That's joe at onfaithsedge.com. I'll announce the winner on next week's show. To buy from Grace to Glory, please consider using the Amazon link on today's show notes. We'll get a small commission from Amazon, but it won't cost you a penny more. All links from today's show can be found at onfaithsedge.com slash 87. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 87. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. Thank you to Todd Agnew for being with us and thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me 
and you mean a lot to this show. Remember, God is real. He loves you, and so do I. God bless. for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you. 